Hi guys, it's me Fran, back at again with another review, two weeks after my last one. And uh, today I will be reviewing Magnus Chase and the Ship of the Dead by Rick Riordan, his most recent addition to his multitude of collection of mythology-based books. Now, I love, I've adored the Magnus Chase series, including the first two books, and the third one is just as amazing as the others. And what's, what, well, I'm just going to get straight into the review now, just because I can't help myself. <laughs> um, what I've really enjoyed about this one is the mythology behind it as well. We've gotten, we've gone in more to the mythology and the stories behind it. Uh, again, there are quite a lot of characters whose names I can't pronounce, but that's my dyslexia more than anything. But as usual, Riordan has put a glossary at the back of how to pronounce the names of the gods and, well, the other characters. And if we can hear it, I'm currently going through to find the names and the way in which they are pronounced. Right, okay, so the main thing that's going on behind this is that, uh, so in the last book, and spoilers ahead, of course, for... Uh, the Ship of the Dead. And the last one, Magnus's uncle. Oh, I'm going to forget his name completely now. Randolph, that's it. <laughs> uh, Randolph has died and he has left his possessions to the family relatives. So it's gone to Annabeth from the Percy Jackson series. And, well, just Annabeth because, as we are well aware of, it is apparent to the mortal world that Magnus is dead even though he's only an in Hariyi is how it's pronounced. I've never actually figured out how to pronounce it. I keep reading it as Injiri or Inhirji. So let's just hope that it doesn't matter that I can't pronounce it. Um, yeah, so he's left something in the house that Magnus and Alex have been investigating and it references this thing called the Aegir. Um, so they try and find out what this is and it's basically tied in to some Norse mythology in the background for it and it's to help Magnus and his cohort of friends stop Loki from sailing off in the Ship of the Dead and starting Ragnarok because no one wants Ragnarok because They've got a lot more living to do, and Ragnarok is just going to fucking ruin it. <laughs> Sorry about the swearing, I wasn't meaning to, but it came out anyway. But that's pretty much the majority of the plot that's going on here. Um, so yeah, we've got some more Norse mythology coming in with Aegir, who was, I believe, I can't actually remember. Oh, this is really bad, I should have written this down. He was one of the gods, and he was the most popular of the rest. He was the kindest of the gods, and he was, well, pretty much that. He would give advice to anyone from the Nine Worlds. And he was born through, I think it was the spit of the gods. So all the other gods created him with their spit. And then his drink, uh, this the Aegir drink, which, well, mead, is, which is what Magnus and his cohort are after for Magnus to be able to defeat Loki in a flighting, which I will come back to 
later. Uh, this uh, Aegir mead was made of the blood of Aegir after he was killed by dwarves, which didn't... I can't remember if they gave a reason as to why he was killed, but I'm guessing it was probably just they were jealous of him or something. And it's actually the dwarves from the first book, the guy, the murderous guys who were in charge of the ship that would lead them out to Fenris's island. They were the ones who killed Aegir. Anyway, moving on from that, so we get that mythology side of it. Uh, we also meet Frigg, who is the wife of Odin, and she is she's she talks about how she's quite an integral part of the Norse gods and how she's able to guide everything. And it's interesting to get this element of it because we get some more of the Norse mythology again with this, with her story about how even when Odin had disappeared for a while and she had to marry, I think it was his two sons or two people who were to take over the role of Odin in his stead, she had to marry them both but then still controlled the throne even when they were the ones who were supposed to be in power because she's she's kind of got the guiding hand towards everyone. And it's also revealed that she is Mallory's mother. Uh, so if you guys are aware of Mallory is one of the members from Floor 19 alongside um, Halfborn and TJ. And just going on from the mythology because a lot of that stuff's being brought up because you get the Aegir Mead, you get Frigg and you've got the Ship of the Dead in general which is the name of the book obviously. But going on to the the main characters. So Floor 19, Mallory, TJ and Halfborn They've mainly been, I suppose, like secondary characters in a way from in the first and second book. But in this one, however, they have become main characters. We're given these backstories for all of them. We get more information about them. We see more of their personalities and their relationships with Magnus and Sam and Alex and with each other and stuff and how they became so close. Um, an example would be with... TJ, we find out how TJ died actually, so we know that he was uh, in a battle on the hill, I can't remember the name of the hill because it was in the first book, but um, he, because he's the son of, oh god, I can't remember the name of the god, but the son, like the god of war or something like that, it began with a T, which I think, I really should have done my research before doing this review, clearly. <laughs> Um, because he was his son, he was challenged during battle by one of, of oh, I can't even remember the name, oh my god, I don't know much about American war and history and stuff, but it's during the Civil War, it's a bit, I think it's the Confederates probably, the, the racist ones pretty much, so he was called out by the leader on it because he was black and saying you and me were going to fight. And because TJ is the son of this god of war, he can't turn down a challenge. So he got up, charged across the field, killed the guy that had challenged him, and then died whilst being shot at by all the other soldiers on the side there. So he died a brave man for coming up and like showing this guy, you know what, 
may think I'm beneath you, but I'm actually better. <laughs> Uh, which I thought was a really interesting thing to get this backstory for him. Like, I really liked... I'm just... I, I really like TJ, pretty much. Like, he's such this calm, sweet guy, and then you find out that he's actually... Like, he can't refuse the challenge. He loves challenges. And that he also did this. He showed up this guy who was a dickhead, pretty much. And, yeah, it, like I, I like it. And there was also uh, Mallory. We get Mallory's background as well, and... Halfborns also, but not as much. We only get a little bit to do with Halfborn. But Mallory's is quite interesting because as she's uh, an Irish girl, she uh, her history is wrapped up in Ireland and the IRA, I assume, because um, she died because she was that uh, she planted a bomb after being convinced by Loki, who was a part of their band, well, disguising himself as part of their group, <coughs> and kind of convinced them to plant this bomb. She then learned that this bomb was actually planted on, uh, on a bus that was going to be filled with children, so she went back after being convinced by this old woman who turned out to be her mother Frigg to try and disarm it and ended up dying herself because the bomb went off. And so we learn all this sort of stuff, and Magnus does respond to it as well, especially when he finds out that she planted a bomb. Uh, he was quite shocked from what I recall. But then when he finds out what she actually did because she realised she, she'd made a mistake, he finds respect in her trying to right her wrongs in a way. So yeah, I really like that we got these like these explanations of their personalities and their actions and why they were there in Valhalla and stuff. And we also find out that Mallory is kind of like this... She helped TJ and Halfborn become friends, in a way, because they, apparently they hate each other at the start. They didn't get on at all. And we see this dynamic between how she kind of holds them together in the book as well, which is, which is really interesting. I really enjoyed that. Um, we also get more explana uh, exploration sorry, of um, Sam's heritage of uh, as a Muslim woman um, because the Ship of the Dead story is set during Ramadan which Sam is partaking in even though she could have chosen not to but she decided she she wanted to take part of it uh, take part in it sorry because she felt it would, oh, I'm going to have to make sure I get this right, I can't remember her exact words, that the whole thing behind it is to kind of open yourself up spiritually, I think it was, to kind of like, you, you cleanse your body in a way, and you fit, oh, something like that, I'm, I'm so sorry, I'm butch butchering the description of what Ramadan is about. The whole reasoning behind it was that, she wanted to cleanse herself and feel more powerful in herself as a person to be able to face Loki and defeat him and get out from under his control that he has over them. And it's it amazing that this is she's going through this at the same time as battles and being on a journey and knowing that she could be going to her death 
it's, it's an incredible thing to see that she's going the majority of the day without food or water, doing training and practices with swords and battles and hand-to-hand -hand combat and not complaining about it at all. And Magnus and all the others, like, they they consider her to be an inc like a badass, really, to be able to go through it. Magnus's internal thought is that he feels guilty a little bit that he's going on about how ho how hungry he is, and realizing that Sam's doing all of this at the same time as on as being on Ramadan, and he kind of gets this amazing appreciation for how much of an amazing person she is. And I really like that Brick Riordan is exploring Sam's Muslim heritage just in general and being able to reflect it into Norse mythology. Because, uh, as stated in the second book, she believes in the Norse gods, but she believes that Allah is above all. Allah is the one who is in control of everything, is the omniscient or powerful being, Cause especially considering that she's met the gods and she can see that they're not perfect or anything like that. So she knows that Allah is still there and is still the driving force of everything around them. Which, I, yeah, I really like that Reordian's done that and hasn't even diminished, like, there. <sighs> hasn't kind of, like, doesn't make it a forefront thing, but also makes it aware because we see her doing her prayers as well which is really interesting just pretty much i just i love sam just just in general just for like her appreciation of life and her just her determination to do well and be herself i just love it all right okay i'm gonna move on now to the relationship dynamics that are explored in the ship of the dead so we get a bit more sam and Mir's relationship how it's it's budding more. Of course, we don't see too much of it because Emir obviously hasn't joined them on the journey because he's immortal. But we see at the start and at the end their relationship, and it's it's really nice to see that they they're going so well. That it's a real budding romance, and again we get the Muslim culture in it as well of um, not being allowed to be by themselves, but still finding tenderness and just each other's looks because I think it's. They can't touch physically or something like that. I'm not too sure. But they can just give each other a look and a small, shiny smile and you get everything just by their looks of how much they love each other. I, re like, I really like that. I think it's a really sweet, tender sort of exploration of a relationship. Um, we've also got Mallory and Halfborn who at this point are broken up. And then there's like there's a hostility between them because they're broken up and on this adventure together, so they're complaining at each other. Basically, their relationship is still the same. They're just not together, but they're still teasing and rude to each other, even like as if they were still in the relationship that they were in. <laughs> it, it's a very strange dynamic between them. But you see every now and again the two of them getting vulnerable enough to be sad that the relationship hasn't worked out. 
but then near the end we do get this hint that they could end up being back together again as it, as it's mentioned that they're having an on and off thing where they argue too much break up but then get back together again so if there's a continuation we may find out if they got back together at the end or not uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see we also and I'm very excited to announce this to any shippers of this relationship we've got a budding romance between Magnus and Alex now this has been explored incredibly well, incredibly well especially considering how well reaudience in general has described and portrayed Alex as a gender fluid transgender person and what I really liked about this is not only is Magnus realising that he's got feelings for Alex we get maybe like a sentence worth of him thinking after they've had their second or th yeah second or third kiss that oh wait Alex is uh, using male pronouns today I've just kissed a guy and then straight after that it's like I haven't kissed a guy I've kissed Alex Friero that that's amazing like so he has like that one second thought and then it's just like no it's Alex I'm kissing I like well. I, not I love Alex, but it seems to be close that he's getting to that because pretty much everything throughout the entire book, every single thought he has always leads back to Alex. So it took him a while to admit it to himself and it was the first shocking kiss that Alex gives him that kind of opens up his thoughts like, well, crap, okay, yeah, no, it's true, I've realised now that I actually like them. What am I going to do? <laughs> Uh, but I like how the relationship is developing at the moment, especially considering that Alex is is kind of like on the fence about it a little bit. <laughs> so much so that they kiss. Uh, he at that point kissed Magnus just to test it out, to see whether or not he was feeling it or not. Um, so yeah, it's, I hope really hope that they do continue it because the ending was the two of them holding hands and just kind of figuring out if they liked it or not. So yeah, I I am excited to see if there is a continuation. I really hope there is because I'm really enjoying the series and I just, I really do hope there is a continuation. Alright, uh, I'm going to go on to the message behind the story which I think is the most important part and it's brought up throughout the majority of the book, but especially during the battle with Loki. And the message is pretty much that friendship and those you love make you stronger than you feel. And this is shown with Magnus, who thinks, I've set up this battle to be able to defeat Loki. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not strong enough. I'm not powerful enough. I don't have these amazing abilities, this amazing strength, this amazing leadership that all my friends have I don't have anything except a talking sword pretty much and it's during this flighting with Loki which is basically a battle of insults which I just love the fact of because like it's basically a put down uh oh what was it I'm trying to think of an example in real um a roasting it's pretty much a roasting the whole thing is roasting the other person and making them feel small and pathetic. Um, 
And so Loki has won many flightings because he's what what is he? He's a he has he's a silver tongued fox. He knows his way around words. Whereas Magnus, he has this eager mead which is supposed to help him, and still he can only describe a blizzard as white. <laughs> um, but he he looks when they're during in the middle of this flighting, he sees his friends, and instead of throwing insults at Loki. He talks about how amazing his friends are, how important they are to him, all these amazing things about his friends, and he becomes bigger and stronger, and Loki becomes smaller and weaker. And the fact that it's showing him as still being kind and nice and being the Magnus we know and love, we're showing that we're, we're seeing, seeing him as this person who loves his friends so dearly, who sees all these amazing things with his friends, within his friends, that he's voicing every single thing about it, and it's it, it's making him as strong as he thinks they are, and believes they are. And yeah, I, I love it. I, I really enjoy how all of this just puts into this all-around feel of Friendship is better than anything. And just going to the flighting, the flighting was absolutely hilarious. Just because when Magnus started pushing back with all this kindness and friendship stuff to Loki, he was kind of being horrible and making Magnus feel weak and all this sort of stuff. It reminded me of um, the live-action Peter Pan film, where... Uh, they start yelling, old, alone, done for, and Captain Hook, you know, is eaten by the crocodile. But just the way in which Magnus finds himself getting stronger, and Loki's kind of like, oh god, what am I g- uh, uh, you're ugly, and just trying to fight back, but is unable to, because he knows that he is, he is alone, and Magnus ends it with, I've got all these amazing friends and you've got no one, you're always going to be alone. And it's kind of punctuated with the fact that Loki's wife has completely abandoned him. She doesn't want anything to do with him anymore. And, yeah, I'm just, I'm just going for the whole book itself. I absolutely loved the entire thing. And I really, I really do hope that Reordine does continue with at least another maybe two more books of Magnus Chase because I can't get enough of these guys like every single character is absolutely amazing and yeah I, I just I, I need you guys need to read this seriously if you haven't read Magnus Chase if you haven't read anything by Rick Riordan go out get any single series that he's written and start reading it because you will not regret it in the slightest Alright, okay, so that is the end of my review for Magnus Chase, The Ship of the Dead. My next review will be on the Justice League movie. Um, So, hopefully, uh, it'll be a good film. I'm hoping for it, because Wonder Wonder Woman was amazing, and I'd be disappointed if this wasn't just as amazing. So, I'll see... Well... I keep saying see I'm gonna see I'm gonna speak to you guys when that comes out and what I think about it so until then 
get reading and um, tune in next time. Alright, bye.